Good morning, family. Let's pray. Dear God, may you speak in this house today. May you speak to each of our hearts. May we be open to the Spirit's words, and as Solomon prayed, may it be your voice, not mine. God, I pray for my friends and my family here in this congregation that your spirit would touch what is happening in their lives today, that the words that I would say be your words and not mine, and that, God, that it would be a source of encouragement. Let it be a source of challenge to us, the words that you have for us today. So many in this church family have been a blessing to me in sharing their testimonies and walking this life together. So, God, I pray this morning, may you use me to be of encouragement and a blessing to others. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Caesar Milan. How many of you know that name? Without a picture. <laughs> Without knowing. Okay. Part of you, half of you. All right. Let's see the picture and see if it jogs your memory on who this is. Yes? A few more of you now? All right. Caesar Milan, otherwise known as, a.k.a.? Ah, you do know him. The Dog Whisperer. The Dog Whisperer. I hadn't really known much about him. I'd heard about him and a little bit here and there because I have some friends who have dogs. And, but I hadn't seen that much, heard that much, really looked into that much until recently. Recently, my life changed about three months ago. Guess what I got? Dogs. That's right. Little Sadie and Scout. They're about year-old rescue puppies that we got about three months ago. And sure enough, they have changed our lives. Um, just darling creatures. And I'm not really a dog person. My husband is a dog person. <laughs> However, I'm a cat person. And I had cats for the last 16, no, 18 years. So really, cats were the only pets that we'd had in our home until recently. And now, we're dog people. <laughs> well, some would say, if you've seen my dogs, some of you have visited and you've seen my dogs, and they actually say, we have cat dogs. Sadie and Scout are very much like cats, which I think was my blessing from God, because I was willing to say, okay, your turn, we get dogs. And the dogs that came into our home are dogs. They love to play with Chip out in the backyard, and they're so fun and full of energy. But they also love to curl up next to me, and I can, I can swear they're purring. They're just cat dogs. They want to be on my lap all the time. They're so sweet. They're so gentle. So we have cat dogs. So... These dogs have changed our lives, and I started noticing more when the name Caesar Milan headed over the internet or something on TV, something that was showing up. Well, just last week, we had some friends coming over. I was waiting for them, so I had a few minutes to flip around the channels. And as I was flipping around the channels, oh, I saw him, Caesar Milan. He was on the T.D. Jakes show. If any of you know him, yeah, he's a pastor that kind of, has a show going on, I guess, right now. And so I stopped because I thought, oh, doggy tips, you know, I, I'm in need of those now. And so I stopped and listened to what was going on in the interview between T.D. Jakes and Caesar Milan. But it wasn't doggy tips. It was about his life. If you know the show, I guess it's more about people and their, their lives and their struggles and their um, challenges that, that are going through their life. And he was talking to Caesar Milan about the struggles he had coming into this country and growing up and then the fame he found and then the deep dive that happened when his wife left him and the attempted suicide that he had. And he was talking about this. And it was 
very heartfelt. So I was surprised. I'd stopped and I listened. And he asked him, towards the end, in the end of the interview, he said, so what have you learned through all of this, Caesar? And Caesar said, you know, I like to master things. I like to be very good at things. I don't have his accent, but we can try. Think it in your head. I like to be very good at things. He said, but I have learned something. I have learned something. I have learned that if you can master uncertainty, then you are truly wise. I stopped and I listened and it tickled my ears. It's one of those phrases that you can't just let go. And so I rolled it over in my head again. I kept rolling it over. If you can master uncertainty, you are truly wise. He'd been obviously going through things. He realized now he couldn't be the master of everything like he was of the dogs. He had things in his life that were uncertain. And so now he's thinking, how can I master uncertainty? That's where the wisdom comes from, mastering the unknowns of life. For some reason, this really struck me, and I played it over, over in my mind again many times over the last week, and as I'm standing here, I know it. I know it in my head because I was thinking about it. It sounded like a good Chinese proverb or an oxymoron. I, I wanted to like wrestle with it and play with it in my head to see, what do I think of that? I like it. I agree with it. I want to do that. What does that look like to master uncertainty? How does one do that? Maybe some would say, oh, sing, sing a song, sing, let it go, let it go. Just when things come your way that you cannot figure out, just sing, let it go. And for some, for some things, maybe that works. Or maybe for some of us a little older, maybe the song's not let it go. Maybe it's don't worry, be happy. You're like, okay, that's another song that you know, people kind of sing and trying to de-stress, let go of things you can't understand, the, things that are you know, out of your control, just, just let it go. And I'm sure those things do work, again, for some things and some situations. But what about when life is uncertain in deeper ways, in harder ways, in much more serious ways? What about mastering uncertainty when the uncertainty is that your job is on the line. Your kids are in trouble. Maybe a major move is on the horizon or you're uncertain about a friendship. Maybe a significant relationship. Maybe you're uncertain even about your marriage. What if you're uncertain about your future career? Maybe you're not even sure how you can get money to pay for college. Uncertain about your purpose and your calling in life or simply how to pay the bills, how to keep your kids from the struggles they face in school and with their friends, social media. Maybe you're uncertain about looming health issues of your own that you haven't shared, or maybe somebody in your family that you are dealing with. We all have uncertainties. How do you master them? How do you master them? What are your uncertainties right now? Maybe it's something in the list I read. Maybe it's something completely different. Maybe you're struggling with something else deep in your soul. The thing that wakes you up at night, doesn't let you sleep, or the thing that churns your stomach and you feel sick when you think about it, not sure what's going to happen. Maybe it's some of those deep things that you wonder, I don't know what to do with that. Let me escape, watch a movie. I can't think about that right now. The uncertain things of life that are very deep. And I think this this phrase struck me, how to master uncertainties, because I've had them too. You have them. I have them. I have uncertainties in my life. Some that I've struggled with for a very long time. 
some come and go. You see me here at church often, many of you on Sabbath, giving the announcements, helping with the kids, planning the services, running details, so you'd see a different side of me that's here, trying to master the runnings, the comings and goings of the church. But you don't see the, the other side of my life, my home life, struggles that may take place there. Some of you I know more personally in those ways and you know, and others you don't. But God said he wanted me to share this morning about one of my big uncertainties in life. One of the things that I've struggled with and don't have the answer for, haven't had the answer for, and it's been about a 15-year journey. As children. The dream of children of our own, the heartache of no children, the wondering if they'd ever come, if so, how, when, God wanted me to share this morning some of that journey, just portions of that journey, because I'm now 15 years later. I'm in this journey, I'm still in this journey, but I've been able to look back and see in amazing ways how God has been right there through this journey, through this long, painful journey. He has been right there, and in some, as I said, amazing ways that I'd like to share with you, because I haven't actually had a chance to put these things down over the years, I've had friends tell me, you need to journal your experiences, how God has been at work, because I've shared some of the things. They're like, you need to write it down, you need to write it down. I'm like, yeah, I do, I do, but it's just, I'm not a journaler in that way. But guess what? When Pastor Milton said, would you speak? And this is what God put in my heart. I'm like, I guess this is the time. So I started putting it down, these 15-year journey, how God has been at work in the midst of the pain and in the long, long days and things that have happened, he has been clearly at work. And through this journey of certainty, not knowing the outcomes, the answers, I've grown a lot. He has taught me much. And he continues to teach me. Some of the biggest things he's taught me, one is about the word and the concept of surrender. Truly to surrender yourself to God. Going all in with God, trusting him no matter what. Another big thing he has taught me in this journey is how to hear his voice, how to hear the voice of God. We don't always talk about that a lot, but I have delved deep into it in this journey, and I'll share experiences that help you understand why. But hearing the voice of God is so important to me and such a comfort and a blessing to me, and it's been because of this journey. In the midst of uncertain circumstances, over and over, he has helped me claim a phrase that I heard many years ago from a blind lady who went blind in her early 20s. So she knew what it was like to have sight and it was suddenly all taken away from her in her 20s, the prime of life. She was speaking at a women's conference. This is probably 20 years ago. And she said this line that has always stayed with me. And you've heard me say it at church, but you'd always, you know, we all don't know what each other's going through behind the scenes. So we claim it for ourselves and we claim it for you. But each of us have to hold on to it. And for me, I've claimed this in my uncertain journeys. And it's this. She says this as she's on stage. All may not be well with your circumstances, but all can be well with your soul. And I've pondered that one greatly and it's been a great source of encouragement because all is not always well with your circumstances. Most of the time it's not but can all be well with your soul in the midst of uncertain circumstances. 
My answer is yes, and I have seen it and I found it. It's not a perfect yes, it's not, I feel it all the time, but it's a growing yes, I know it, I sense it, I see it. All can be well with your soul in the midst of very challenging circumstances. As a child, one of my favorite verses that I would quote when somebody said, what's your favorite verse? I know Miss Kimmy just asked that last week, I think it was, in one of the kids' story, maybe the week before. What's your favorite verse? One that I would say I'd memorized, but had no idea of what it really meant until you're older. It was Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. One, I hope you know. This may be a memory verse of yours, something that you put in your mind. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on what you see and understand because God is so much bigger than that. You've got to keep a bigger perspective, a bigger picture. So the question, one of the questions that I keep struggling with through my journey and through your journeys, the question is this. Do you trust God with all your heart? Line number one. Do you trust God with all your heart? Just sit with that. The answer is not easy. It's a human struggle. It's the struggle that we each struggle with. Do you trust God with all your heart? Despite uncertainty and the pain surrounding your life, do you trust the heart of God? So let's switch the question just a little bit. Do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? Well, let me ask you this. Do you trust God's heart? Do you trust the heart of God and what he is after for your life? Do you trust that he is for you and not against you? Do you trust he's a good father that wants to give you good gifts? Do you trust when he says he will never leave you or forsake you, he will always be with you? He has a plan for your life, a plan for future, and a hope. He works things together for good for those who love him. He loves you with an everlasting love. Can you cling to this? Can you claim this? Can you pull it into your heart and say, God, help me trust you with all my heart? Do you trust him with all your heart? As our journey began, that was one of the first questions I had to face with God. After years of painful waiting and wondering and time passing, the medical professionals finally saying those words, I'm sorry, don't plan on having children of your own in a biological way. Walking out of those doors and having known what that felt like inside, that a dream was gone. Something you thought was going to be your life is not going to be your life that quickly. It's no longer an option. And God was asking me this question, but in another way, do you trust me with your heart? like with the hard things of your life, the deep things of your life? Do you trust me, God is saying, with those deep, hard things that are so personal? Do you trust me with your heart? Are you willing to trust me with all your heart? Do you see how it's different? It's so personal. Do you trust me? And that was the question he asked. And to come to that place of surrendering my dreams, our hopes, Did I trust him with my heart that he was still going to work good in the midst of these uncertain things that suddenly now became part of our life journey? A book that if you have not read before, if you are in that midst of a dream and wondering about the dreams of your heart, will they be fulfilled? Are they coming? Are they not? Have you lost those dreams? Maybe you have a dream like me that's not my dream of children that is lost, but something else. Maybe you had a dream that you thought where you would be at this point in life a relationship, a career, a different place 
and you feel your dream is gone? Do you trust God with your heart in these uncertain times? There's a book called The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. Some of you may have read it. If you haven't, it's a good one to pick up again if you're in that place. It talks about God giving us, giving us dreams. We're not sure we even have them. He gives them to us, sends us on these journeys. And the pinnacle of the book is when he meets God and God says, give them back to me. Lay it down. Lay down your dream to me without knowing what's on the other side. It's, it's a powerful book of a journey of dreams, of loss and of hope and of trusting in God. Do you have a dream that you need to lay down and let God take and mold into something beautiful for you? Do you trust him with that? After those few years of going through that struggle, now we're at a point of new directions. God, okay, this isn't happening in our lives, so where do we go from here? Do we look overseas for adoptions? Do we look to the state? Do we do private? Do we even have kids? What, what do we do now? And those of you who know me, I want things to be right. I'm a, a little bit of a control freak. So I like things to have the right answer. And I want to do the right thing. I don't want to do the wrong thing or the halfway right thing. I want to do the right thing. So I was like, God, what am I supposed to do? We have this option and this option. And I don't know. What am I supposed to do? This is the rest of my life. This is a big decision. Those of you who have kids, you would agree. It's a big decision, right? <laughs> so I'm like, what am I supposed to do with this? And I was struggling. I couldn't take a step forward. I was, what's that word? I was just frozen, kind of, you know, uh, frozen with not, uh, not knowing what to do. And so after time with that, it was one Sunday morning, and I got up early as I am a morning person, and I was just praying to God. And I remember in the living room just really crying and praying, God, I don't know what to do with this anymore. I'm, I'm unsure. And you're going to have to show me because I can't take a step. I'm frozen in this. I, I begged and I asked and I said, okay, God. And in my prayer, I turned on the news. And instead of the news, as I came onto the channel, it was the... the service going on. It was a Sunday morning, so it was a service going on at the Crystal Cathedral by Schuler. And literally, because I would pass it up, because that's not something I, I typically watch on a Sunday morning. So I typically would just like, okay, flip the channel, go to the news. But literally, as I flipped it, the words that were coming out was from a father. He was interviewing a couple. And the father and the mother were standing there with a little child. And they were saying, this amazing journey. We've come to adopt this child through the state, through foster system. And, and he went on to explain, the father in the interview, how the fears he'd had about wondering what to do. The right thing to go. Was this the right place? Was this the right system? Was I, what was I supposed to do when they dealt with infertility? They dealt with all these things. And I was like, oh, my story. Literally, after I just got off the floor. I mean, literally. Right there. What did I ask for? Show me, God. Show me what you want me to do. Okay, I, I mean, you can call it luck or whatever you want, but I know it wasn't. <laughs> I'm like, oh my goodness, so I went running up to see Chip, and I'm like, you never guess what just happened. I told him the whole story of what, I, what had happened. So that put us, that propelled us onto a journey that would end up taking much longer than I thought, <laughs> much longer, into 
going in and working with the state system, getting, trying to get our license and paperwork and classwork. And oftentimes the classes are on Saturdays and we're here worshiping. And so we'd have to try to take one class here and one class there in the evenings. And it, many years, when we started and then we'd stop because we'd, we heard stories that just kind of made us think, this isn't for us. This isn't the way it's working. It doesn't seem like me. I, I need a little more control than what's going on here, this, the system. But after we stopped, another year later, we're like, go back to it. Because I'd say, God, this isn't working. I don't think this is right. He would confirm in my heart, this is what I asked you to do. You keep going. So I kept going. We kept going in classes. Finally, we got our license. Literally, how many, eight years later, after licensing and waiting, after multiple children tellings that come to you in the system, are these the kids for us? Are these the kids for us? We'd hear their stories, and your heart would break. And sometimes we just knew it wasn't the situation for us. And I'd prayed, and Chip and I had prayed together that in this journey, the one thing we did not want to have happen was for us to be at odds. For one of us to feel yes, and one of us to feel no. Should we go this way? And one of us to want to go this way through adoption, and this way. We prayed to be in the same space, because we'd heard enough stories about people whose marriages would be pulled apart by this scenario. And we did not want that to be us. And God has answered that prayer every step of the way. We have been in sync. What a huge blessing in a journey that's so uncertain. The third telling we had that told about the children, I thought, this must be it. This must be it. It was two little girls. It seemed right. We went and met them. And then the hardest day of my life was after that, when I realized that was not it. It was so painful. The door, that door was closed and it was so painful, and I said, I can't do it anymore. I told God I can't. I basically had a nervous breakdown, as my husband can attest to. It was the closest time he'd ever seen me be completely out of control. I, I just couldn't do it. It was, I was done. It was too, too much. And I, we called the state after that and said, please put our file on hold. Um, we can't do this right now. It had been years in the process to get there. Now it was on hold. After a while... We restarted. God said, do it again. <laughs> we went through some counseling. We went through more classes, make sure stuff was ready. And, our, and, and all of these things. And eight years later, I felt like I was in the same place as when I had started. Like, God, we were sitting at the kitchen table now in our new house. And I remember it so clearly. And I was like, God, what are we doing here? What, what's going on? It's eight years with no answers, with more, more questions than answers. Why isn't this working? What do you want me to do? And he kept saying, I've told you what you're supposed to do. I don't want to do that anymore. But I was so clear, and am today so clear that he'd said it. I finally said, God, okay, I surrender. I, I, I will do what you want. We will go back in the system again. If that is what you want, I will do it. I laid down that Isaac, so to speak. The second I laid it down is something I can't explain. The second I laid it down, I was right in the living room. A voice very clearly from this side, and that's why I put my hand up, a voice very clearly from this side said three words. It said, I release you. I just, I, I was just astounded. It wasn't an out loud voice. My husband was sitting with me because we were having this conversation about where, how, what are we, how are we here again? And I stopped and I said, stop, stop, stop. And he's like, what? I stopped. I just heard and it, the voice, and it said, I release you. He's like, what? I said, I know. 
And there was a sense of knowing, it was God's voice and a peace that came over that was like, okay God, now what? We released from this journey. And I, I was excited, I was nervous. I said, what does that mean? What does it mean, I release you? I release you to what? I release you from what? All he said was, I release you. I, I knew there was a sense of peace and knowing that God was doing something. Clearly, he was doing something. I just wasn't quite sure. So I went back like, oh, maybe we're supposed to go back to overseas adoption or maybe private adoption. Maybe we're released from this and now it's the time. Nope, everything I tried, it was so clear that the, the lights were red, red, red. I'm like, oh, God, then what? What do you mean? What do you mean you release me? So it started a journey of seeking the voice of God in a more clear way. And he released me from the pressures of having to choose because every year that went by, I was a year older. (laughs) Every year that went by, I was a year older. You know what I mean, ladies. (laughs) And so I I was like, "Uh, God, what, where? This is now almost 10 years into my journey. What? But he just said it, and he released me, and I knew God was up to something. He said, just be still. So I knew I was just supposed to let it go, let it go, (laughs) in a real way. Not the frozen way, but really, let it go. So I was like, okay. And it was interesting, because about that time, we came into some very painful and deep, challenging issues in in other areas of our life. I think God knew the timing needed to be, needed to hear that then, to face what was coming. And after a few months, there was a special time of gathering between women in the church. There was about six of us that would gather. And we knew we were calling upon God in such amazing ways. He was speaking clearly. I remember that, that the book and the talks and the prayers, we were dealing with strongholds, with things that we hadn't been willing to share in our lives before. It was coming out in the safe spaces. Everything was happening, and God was speaking. I see some of you nodding because you were in that group. God was speaking. And it came clear in the group. Somebody was feeling strongly, and it was, they knew my journey to some extent, but it's like God's going to bring children. He's bringing children. He's bringing children to you very clearly. And I was like, okay, after 10 years, okay, but okay, God is at work. I, I, I know something's going on, and I hadn't told them that I released you. It was so unusual for me. It's not the way I work or always hear God. And so I was like, might weird some people out. But it was so clear. So I let it, and we were praying and digging deep. And the ladies were coming together. We were going to come together to our house for a very special prayer vigil on Sabbath afternoon. And on Friday, I was here at work, and one of the ladies from the group called me and said, I need to see you tonight. I need to see you, like, right away. I'm like, okay, it's Friday. I have lots to do. Church is coming. Are you sure? Can't wait. You know, and I knew, it's like, no, I need to see you. I'm like, okay, after work, maybe I can grab a bite to eat with you. Okay, so we met at this little Thai restaurant. She sits down. Her name is Krista. Some of you may know her. Krista Learmore. She sits down, and she looks at me, and I said, oh, so what's up? She says, I don't know, but I'm supposed to tell you something, and I know this is going to sound weird, I asked my husband, and I told him, and he said, yeah, it sounds weird. (laughs) She says, I'm supposed to tell you three words. I release you. (laughs) I was just like, I was overwhelmed. I looked at her, and I said, what exactly? (laughs) She says, I'm supposed to tell you I release you, which makes no sense to me. She says, does that make any sense to you? (laughs) I'm like, yes. 
Yes, it does. Because I was in the midst of this where we were praying and we knew God was going to be working, but I was starting to stress that I was going to need to do something to help defend God's name, like step out there again and put my name back out there and have it happen and have it be ready. But I needed the reminder from my friend and God so clearly said, I release you. I'm not supposed to do anything, God, seriously. I'm supposed to just say, okay, God's going to bring me children. We do not have, we have a license, but it's closed. We're not out there. We don't have any adoption request out there, nothing. And you're saying through this women's ministry that God is bringing children and that you have released me, so I'm not supposed to do anything. Really? You're just going to drop them on my door? I mean, I was skeptical, very much so. And it was, it was fearful, and yet I was claiming it. It was in a powerful time. We were claiming it, and I was like, okay, God, I started telling people, we're going to have kids. I didn't know how. I didn't know. It was how many years now? 11, maybe, whatever, 12. I was getting older. And there was, we're going to have kids. It was amazing what God reconfirmed and confirmed during that time. I grew. It was months. This, this thing sat there. Let me tell you this. God timing is not our timing. My timing would have been way quicker. How many years in his timing is still slowly, slowly asking me to trust, asking me to see what he was going to do, hearing his voice, learning what it meant. That next year, I dug deep again about what it meant to hear God's voice. I read some powerful books because I said, I want this kind of relationship with God. It was powerful. I'm telling you, it's powerful. I knew God and I had a relationship with God, but I had not had a relationship where I hear him. And I'm not talking just about that one moment. I've had a few moments like that, but they're not mostly like that. Where I hear him like that, mostly it's in circumstances and people, but I wanted to figure out how I could hear him more. So I read and I talked to people. There's some amazing books that can challenge you in those areas. And as you see, it's a passion of mine, so I love to share that. Um, Dallas Willard writes a great book on hearing God's voice. Priscilla Shire, Discerning the Voice of God. I mean, they're amazing things. I was hearing God, and I was in that space. And actually, I was so soaked in God and what he was doing that my strain and pain and desire to have kids actually almost went away during that time. I was so focused in that growth. I remember sitting here with Pastor Milton one day, and, and I said, I don't know what's going on. God is throwing me really deep. It's amazing what God is showing me and, and, and how he's working in my life. And I said, because I told him because I was like, he's not growing me for nothing. I said, and I didn't know what. I said, he's growing me for something. And so I told pastor, I don't know. I may, it may be another job. It may be a, maybe he's going to move us. I don't know what God's doing, but I knew God was doing something. He was growing me so deep. He grows us deep. I was getting a little nervous because I knew something was going to be coming. <laughs> he's growing as deep because something he's going to do something with your life. And I started to realize that. And like, I told Pastor, I don't know what's coming. Just be aware. I don't know what's coming. He's like, okay. So in that time, it grew extremely so. And God would say every morning, he was teaching me to surrender everything, my dreams, the uncertainties, to live with him. I'd open my hands like this. And he'd, every morning, it's funny, I'd just oh, pry my hands open. And sometimes when I'm singing, you'll see me do that too. It's surrender. It's a position of surrender saying, God, please do what you will. Help me not to hang on tightly to what I want. Help me be open to you want. And literally to, to open that up and say that. And he was having me do that every morning. January, I love New Year's. For me, I love the New Year. January 2.15 came, and he was working with me as surrender. Yes, God, surrender, surrender. And I was walking down the hallway in my house. I had seen, it was interesting, I had seen 
a piece on TV about a child who was in need of a safe place, in need of a family. It was a, a piece on the, on the TV. And suddenly, after about a year of not having anything, everything came back up again. I was like, what? My pain, my desire to help children, my desire to have children, to like take them and say, well, if you can't, I will. You know, I, I, I'm waiting for children and you're throwing them by the wayside. I will take them. And it came up so strong in my heart and I thought, oh God, really? I thought these 12 years I was through this and I was letting this go and I was gonna do what you wanted and maybe it was kids, maybe it wasn't kids, whatever you were bringing to me, you're gonna do this. And he brought it back up into my heart. And literally he said, it was not long after that, when I was in the hall in the house, and that came over me very strongly, will you help my children? That was his line, will you help my children? <sighs> and I had to do again, okay, yes, I'm saying yes, God, whatever that is, whatever that is, I'm going to say yes and surrender to that. Whatever that looks like, I don't know. And literally in one week from that moment when I surrendered that yet again, came the conversation out of the blue two children need your help came to me what I thought couldn't happen did happen came out and said would you be able to do this and the time it took us to say yes was in a couple of days it was five days before we had two children in our house amazing in God's timing in God's way what he does and what he brings what he orchestrates for his will. And wouldn't you know, we still had a license. It had been on hold. We still had that license. And we had to have that or they couldn't come into our home. God had kept us, keeping us faithful. He had kept us faithful all along in keeping the license because he knew we would need it, even if it wasn't for what I thought or how long I thought the situation would be. So these two precious children came into our home Two children that God needed us to be ready for in his time, in the right time, in years in the gap. We were able to stand in the gap for these two precious children. If we had stepped away from the call, closed our license, walked away from the state, we wouldn't have been ready. If we'd pushed ahead and gone in a different direction, we wouldn't have been ready. But at this point, at this very time, everything came and God said clearly, this is your time for these children. His perfect timing. I'm humbled by it on what he did on our, and in behalf of these children and on behalf of our hearts. All at the same time. He'd orchestrated it all at the same time. I think he knew how fearful I was. He knew it would take me like 15 years to get there. And that's why he started so long ago. I'm sure now. It's, it was my fear and my frustration and my ah, angst took me so long. But it was his timing. He knew. And at the moment, we needed to be there for these children. We were. They were in our home for a year and a half. It was the hardest, <laughs> uh, most amazing experience all wrapped into one. Last, last spring, after about a year and a half with us, the children were blessed to be able to re reunite with their family. Oftentimes you didn't see them with us here on Sabbath because that was the day they were with family. So what next? I'm a year on the other side of that. So what next? I don't know. I don't know the answer. My story's not over. 
I've come to know that. My story is not over, and neither is your story. Whatever that uncertain thing is going on in your life, what you're, it's not over. God is in it. He's working in it. He's working through it. You have to take the second line and lean on your own understanding. What you see, again, is not always, it isn't what God sees. He sees so much bigger than what you see. He, he changes things in ways you will never know. To many, 15 years later, I stand here, and it could seem like nothing has changed. And sometimes I feel like that. I quit sending Christmas cards quite a few years ago because I couldn't handle it. It was too painful. Because I thought, nothing has changed. Everybody thinks we'll be having kids. Nothing has changed. And I just quit. I couldn't do it. I understand here today, 15 years later, and some may say, well, nothing has changed. It's still an uncertain situation, still unanswered to know what's next. But to me, I stand here and say, a lot has changed. I am different. My heart is different. I've been changed in this journey by God, and you know what? I've come to know that that's what God wants. He's after our heart more than anything else. He's after our heart, and he will work in and out and through the circumstances to reach our heart, the hard, difficult circumstances that come into our life. He will not have them for naught. Your tears are not wasted. He uses everything for his good. That's what he has promised for those who love him. I have learned to trust in him more, to lean on my own understanding less, and to seek God in all areas of my life, to know for certain that God speaks. He will direct my paths in his time, in his way, but trust he will. Many beautiful and mysterious ways. And so this morning I challenge you, as the band comes up, I challenge you, which continues to be a challenge for myself, to dig deep and let the uncertain circumstances of your life become opportunities for you to dig deep and build trust, grow faith, to let it change your heart in the process. I challenge you to be all in, to trust God with all your heart, with all your heart, with all your heart. I challenge you to make the decisions in the midst of uncertainty. Don't wait till it's over. Choose to believe now. Choose to trust. Ask him to help you when you don't have the belief Ask for the belief. He gives that too. Trust in the one who says he is certain that he is for you and not against you. He loves you with an everlasting love. He will not leave you. He has good plans for you. And he gives us a peace that passes understanding because it doesn't make sense when you have peace in the midst of horrible circumstances. It makes no sense except by the power of God. So the question that Caesar Milan stated for us, how can you master uncertainty, these challenges of life that you cannot control? My answer would be this. By becoming more and more certain of the goodness of our master, Almighty God. How do you master uncertainty? Be certain of your master. Be certain of his goodness. Claim his power. Seek to know him better. Let it be real in your life. Place all your trust in him. Allow God to be your certainty, your rock in an uncertain world. It will change your life. It will change your life, but it's your choice. God never pushes that. Do you surrender it? Do you release that? This closing song is a prayer. And again, it's another way God has worked. Miss Yesman chose this song. I gave her ideas when I was working on my sermon. They were not this because God turned my sermon into this and it wasn't what it was at the beginning of the week. And I saw the song when I looked on Thursday and I said, oh, God, this song is what you spoke to me. And 
what you want to speak to each of us today. So pray this prayer as a song. Lord, I will trust in you. I will trust in you when I don't understand, when I don't see the answers. I will trust in you, your time and your grace to cover my life, no matter what, in all ways, in all ways.